Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. husband and I planted the Vineyard Yorba Linda in 2020, because why not? That's a great year to really dive in. in it was February uh, 2020 that the Inland Vineyard announced Brooke and Sam were going to go plant, and we all know what happened a few weeks later, but we kind of stumbled into our church plant, which was the best way to do it, because we just got to the point where Zoom church wasn't really happening for our family. I don't really know what we were doing, but not church. And so we said, let's just start gathering. It was later that summer. Let's just start gathering with just a couple friends. We'll pray and worship together. And the church plant launched out of that. Now we meet in a local middle school. And I came here this morning and I have building envy. Ron called me out. He said, you have building envy, don't you? You guys have such a great area. Uh, this is such a fun area. Um, yeah, I, I think I need to go to the beach and like live at the beach now, so maybe we'll move on. No. Um, we have four kids. We have uh, our eldest got married in two, year and a half ago, something like that, two years ago. I've lost track. And now we've got a little grandbaby. And it is the best. So I've moved on from parenting, and I'm just the grandma now. It is literally the best thing ever. She's five months old. She's adorable. I told my daughter she's like a feral wild animal. It is so fun because my daughter's super chill. Her husband is super chill and this baby is not and it makes me so happy. <laughs> so I grew up in the Anaheim Vineyard. You guys have all heard of the Anaheim Vineyard, I'm sure, over the years. So I, I was born into, it was the Calvary Chapel, Yorba Linda, and that, that, those are my people. That was my place. I love Vineyard. However, I went to a little Baptist school. It was right down the street from my parents' house, so it was like three houses down. I could walk to school. So for elementary, I went to this little Baptist school. And one thing the Baptists do really, really well are missions. I mean, they like, man, the Southern Baptist missionaries where we lived, they had the best goodies. They would... They were like, oh my gosh, they brought in cheese and they'd bring in Mexican food. All the things that you crave and miss, they had. So they, they do missions well. I mean, beyond just bringing good treats and food, but those were things that I craved when I was gone. Um, I remember from probably my earliest memory is starting to hear about stories about Amy Carmichael, who lived in India. I don't know if any of you have heard of Amy Carmichael. Amy Carmichael worked rescuing kids out of uh, basically temple prostitution and brought change in India in about the early uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. Read her story, devoured it. Then there was Gladys Aylward, who lived in China in the early 1900s, and she helped so many different levels. She adopted some kids, helped work towards prison reform. Then there's modern-day Jackie Pullinger. Have any of you ever heard of Jackie Pullinger? Okay, so you have. If you have not read her book, get Chasing the Dragon and read it. You can get it on Amazon. She went to Hong Kong in the 1960s, is still there today. She is my hero. Like, she, I wanted to be Jackie Pullinger. Clearly, I am not. But she, when I was 13, 14 years old, my mom gave me her book. 
and I wanted to be Jackie, and I knew I am going to Asia. I knew at that moment. But these are three women whose society would have counted out. They would have said, mm, they're not going to do anything if they go. In fact, some of them were rejected, if not all of them, by missions agencies. They were not who you wanted on your team. But God, God uses the least and most unlikely among us to reach the hardest and darkest places for his glory, which is really good news for me and probably some of you in here. Like, God uses us. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, you guys have all heard this verse probably a hundred times. But it says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus, he tells us to go. Go to the nations. Make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them the word of God. He doesn't say go. I know over years there's been confusion and stuff. Sometimes we've gone and we've made good Americans. And that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about making disciples of Jesus. We have this good news of Jesus that we get the privilege of taking to a hurting and dying world. I love Revelation 7, 9 through 10. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hand, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. I love this glimpse of heaven because it says every nation, every people group, every unique dialect is represented there before the Lord, surrounding the throne. I love one friend who had gone to Somalia. She came back and she, people kept saying, why would you go there? Why would you go to this war-torn, ravaged country? And she said, because Jesus will have his inheritance among the nations. Because he is worthy. And this is why we go. But why is it important to reach the unreached? Why is it important to go where there's no gospel presentation? Matthew 24, 14, it says, In this gospel, the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Make no mistake, Jesus is not coming back until there is a representation amongst every single people. Every single one. So I watched a documentary recently. Um, Sam, my husband, kept saying, I'm not going to watch it because it was National Geographic. He goes, they're going to be totally bent one way. They're not believers. How can you? I said, just let me watch it. Just go do something else. Let me watch it. And it was a super, super controversial. I don't know if a few of you even heard of this, but a few years back, uh, John Chow went to the Sentinelese people to some little island that's completely forbidden. Have any of you heard this story? So there was a guy, young guy, I don't remember how old, young, 20s, somewhere in his 20s. He read about the Sentinelese people uh, somewhere off of India, in the Andaman Islands area out there. It's completely restricted. There is a tribe that is 
not been reached. Like, nobody goes there. You cannot go there. People have gone and died, and there's been things. But he decided, or his heart just started burning for them, and he decided, I'm going to go. And he concocted a very crazy plan, like truly a crazy plan. And everybody thought he was nuts. But what if? What if it was the Lord? There's always that, there's that what if. They said, you can't go and you're going to introduce new diseases. All the things they said were true. You're going to introduce new diseases. They said, um, you could die, him. They did kill him. They did. They, they never recovered the body, but they saw, the fishermen saw him die, and like from their boat, the guys who had dropped him off there, and they buried him on the beach. His body has never been recovered. And so to the world, it looks like absolute foolishness. He wasted his life. Maybe he did. But what if that's a seed that he planted because now the whole church and the whole world sees there's a people group that hasn't heard the gospel? Because what if this is true and they haven't met Jesus? And now we have a responsibility. Are we going to pray for these people? I sure don't. Are we going to pray that the Lord would raise up somebody, maybe one of their own people? I mean, God has all kinds of creative ideas. We just get to, we just have to say yes and let him use us. So in 2010, we were living in Kansas City, Missouri. Don't recommend it. I love California. There are no mountains. There's no ocean. My husband scuba dives and climbs mountains. He really struggled for those few years we were there. But we, uh, we had the privilege. We, he was teaching at a Bible school there and running an internship, and we got to help launch a missions agency while we were there that is now based in Colorado. But um, we got a phone call, not me personally, but some of the leaders. They got a phone call from a church in Juarez, Mexico. You guys know where Juarez is? Just south of El Paso. So this is in 2010. Um, let me read just a tiny bit out of Sam's journal. He said, uh, we received a phone call from a pastor in Juarez, a Mexico city near the border of Mexico and America, the most violent city on earth at that time, highest murder rate, various drug cartels, Traffic, drugs, weapons, girls in the sex slave trade have been battling over that city and region. Endless stories of beheadings, mass graves, kidnappings, etc. The pastor told us that his son, who was in his mid-20s, was shot and killed the previous year. He'd stopped to help somebody who was broken down on the side of the road with his wife and child. He helped them fix the car, and the man in return shot him in front of his wife and baby and killed him. The pastor said, people are fleeing. Would you come? We feel abandoned by the local church. Would you come? So most people in their wisdom would say, absolutely not, but we'll send some prayers. Let me read to you a couple of the headlines that CNN had out from 2010. Just going to read the headlines for fun. Two headless bodies found in Juarez, third victim dumped. Four kidnapped from Juarez, Mexico, wedding, found dead. Fallout of Juarez violence felt in El Paso, Texas. Sunday shootout in Juarez leaves three cartel gunmen dead. 
drug war also hitting churches in Juarez and the rest of Mexico. 13 dead, 13 injured in Juarez shooting, Mexican police say. This is all throughout the year, only on CNN. Juarez counts 3,000th homicide of 2010. And then down here it says, Juarez made its own history Tuesday as its homicide rate reached 3,000 deaths for this year, 10 times the number of killings annually that the border city counted just a few years ago. With two weeks left in the year, 2010 is now the deadliest year Juarez has ever seen. So this is what we were invited to. <laughs> so the situation in Juarez was pretty bad. And the pastor told us that uh, pastors, other pastors in the church had fled the city because they were getting kidnapped for ransom from their congregations. Like that was the whole thing. These churches would pay this ransom for their pastors. So if you guys, you know, Ron ever disappears, you have to decide if you want to pay his ransom or not. <laughs> Families that were living in El Paso, right across the border, would go in for weddings or funerals only to be kidnapped. So we prayed about it, and in October, we took a caravan of, I don't know, 20-something young adults to El Paso. Because that's the people you want to take if you have a crisis, are a bunch of 18, 19, and 20-year-olds, right? People who don't know any better, but they gave their yes. We had to have all these forms signed by lawyers, legal documents saying nobody was forced to go in, all the stuff, like the church made sure they were covered. Uh, the plan was to spend some time in Juarez at this church just doing prayer and worship with them and just supporting them and encouraging them. And you can't really do outreach. It wasn't safe. And then the youth with the mission base was nearby. And they asked if we would come, our team would come and speak at their school and work at their orphanage. So we got down there. And one of the conditions was our team had to meet with Border Patrol agents and hear the stories. I don't recommend this. They saw videos of beheadings, of horrible, horrible things, right? Horrible things like Nazi-type stuff. It, it's tragic. So after that meeting, everybody came out depressed. I was not in that meeting because I had four small kids, so I was somewhere else with them. They came out. They were all depressed. And every one of them said, I'm not going in tomorrow. I said, fair, fair. You have to know if this is the Lord or not. But then somebody in the church got kidnapped. Like from the church right there that we were at, there was a woman who'd gone in for, I think it was a funeral, and she was kidnapped. So that just compounded the whole problem. So we started praying, because what else do you do? We prayed, and she was set free a couple days later. She was literally released. She wrote out her story in Spanish. Somebody translated it. It's an amazing story of the Lord just protected her. They told her, we can't touch you. We don't know why. And they let her go. They were just done. It, it was really amazing. But while we were having the prayer meeting for her, something happened. 
the Lord began to give his heart for the people of Mexico to everyone on our team. Because it wasn't about necessarily our safety, our comfort, but about Jesus. And Jesus wanting to reach the people of Mexico. So every single person on that team, in that group, decided they would go in. But here's where I was struggling. I wasn't planning to go in because I love danger. It appeals to me. Maybe it really doesn't, but the idea of danger does. I am like, send me to the most dangerous place, but I've got these four kids, so I can't. So I was really struggling because my plan was just to go home to California and see my parents while Sam and the team went into Juarez. But I, there were three things going on at the time that I was really wrestling through. One, I wanted to go. Two, I thought, I can't ask anyone to go, any of these young girls, if I myself am not willing to go. And then three, I have these kids that we really are responsible for, and the Lord didn't necessarily call them to go in. So what do you do with all this? Sam and I really wrestled through it. And we came up with a plan. He said, why don't you go scout it out with a couple people first? And I'll stay with the kids. And you make sure this is really the Lord. I said, done deal. I don't have my passport. We had to have somebody break into our house in Kansas City, find my passport, and then FedEx it to me. And then I got to go in. I will never forget walking over the border into Juarez and the absolute anticipation the thoughts going through my head of, am I an idiot? Why am I doing this? What if, what if my four kids are just left as motherless? I, you know, all the things are going through your head. And is this foolish? Is, are we wrong to go? I mean, we really felt like we had the Lord's okay to go. We really did. But the pastor sent someone to pick us up. And then they took us to lunch, and we're driving through the city in these streets, and you see the federales in their trucks, these open-air trucks, and they all have ski masks on, and they all have their rifles, and they are everywhere. Do you know how eerie that is to be going through a city that's already on edge? It was as if we were in a tinderbox, and a match would be lit at any moment, and you were just... You didn't know what was going to happen. It was such a weird feeling. It was such a weird feeling. So we met with the pastor, got a plan. Then we went over to the youth with a mission, sat and talked to them. And we were, it was later in the afternoon, so I just wanted to get back before dusk. I didn't want to be there any later than I needed to be. And I still had a baby, so I needed to get back to my baby, all these things. But... We got delayed because our ride, something came up. She had a phone call she had to take. So I'm getting irritated. I, I don't like waiting. I'm not very patient. But as we were sitting there waiting, we hear all of a sudden gunshots erupt. Now, to my untrained ear, they sounded like machine guns. They probably weren't, but, you know, that's... I don't know anything about guns. And, and you just hear all this, these gunshots erupting. And chaos kind of breaks out outside of this compound where we were. So I was with three guys. One of them's ex-military. And we go running out towards the, like, we want to go see what's going on out there. They stopped us. 
they, that's probably a good idea. They stopped us, but at the same time, this car comes racing around the corner, in through the gates, and they lock up the gates behind the car, and they said, do not go out there. If they see you out there, it's over for you. They don't want foreigners to see what's going on. So I texted my husband. I said, I'm a little delayed. There's a gun battle going on. I think I'm okay. Here is his response. I wish I had saved this. I wish I had a screenshot and saved it. He responded back, cool. <laughs> this is the man I married. Clearly, he thinks I'm safe in the arms of Jesus. <laughs> so we had to wait till the coast was completely clear. Later, we heard that uh, about four people had died at that intersection. Random, random, senseless murders. But we knew that our team was supposed to go, and they knew they were supposed to go. So in October, our team went into Juarez, and at the church with this pastor, he gathered about 400 people together to just pray and worship and contend for the city of Juarez. During that meeting, the sound system stopped working. Sam said it was just, it was kind of chaos. Nobody was really with it. He said it was just people were not interested. People started to trickle out. And then at one point, he said the pastor, who had lost his son a year before to the cartel, walked up to the stage with tears in his eyes, and he said, the cartel just killed a woman, wrapped her body in tape, and dumped her on the front steps of the church. He said, we can't leave right now. They said, if you want to leave, you can go out the back door, basically, but otherwise you're here. You cannot leave. So do you want to stay and keep going or not? And they stayed and they pressed in, and all of a sudden, the presence of the Lord filled that place. He said it was a tangible shift in the room. He said people started getting healed. People started getting delivered from demons. He said they watched a tumor disappear from a lady's neck. CNN wrote about it later, not about this meeting, but in 2013 they wrote about Juarez. And I'm going to read just a little tiny bit before we jump into ministry. He's, uh, January 5th, 2013, once known as the deadliest city in the world, the Mexican border city of Ciudad Juarez deserves a new nickname. Between 2007 and 2011, more than 9,000 people were killed, with the peak coming in 2010, when Juarez saw a record 3,116 homicides, or about eight murders a day according to the figures released by the Attorney General's office. No single factor is responsible for restoring relative tranquility. So they think. But a key factor was that for the first time, there was a team of effort and coordination between local police and civil society organizations. The drop in violence is reflected in the city's economic growth. And then they went on to say there were different schools that had been launched, different programs. But what we saw through this church and the youth of the mission base and our relationships there was they said evangelism exploded in the city. 
In fact, our team got to go back a year later to go help them with some of the evangelism in the city. They said it was people were out where you didn't see people out before. Shops were reopened. This was a team of kids who everyone tried to talk out of going. Everyone. Because it didn't look wise. It looked foolish. They weren't going to be heroes. They really weren't. They weren't looking for any of that. They just wanted to go because they gave their yes to Jesus. They were nobodies. And now they, have a, they get to look at these stories and say, I got to play a small role in that. And that's just an easily accessible nation right in our backyard. But I love one of the guys that was on that team struggled with mental illness, suicide, depression. And all he wanted to do was go to the Congo. Instead, after this trip, he had to go home and get help. And he thought life was over for him. Two years later, he made it to the Congo as a missionary. Chorus's war broke out and the borders closed while he was there. I go, oh my gosh, this, this guy, an amazing man. But he is somebody that society would have written off. And a lot of us are people that society would write off. Except that Jesus said to go and we get to give our yes. I want to challenge you guys. I know you guys have lots of missions opportunities whether it be local, global, whatever it looks like. We have the privilege in California of having the nations in our backyard as well. So even if you can't go or don't feel called to go out, you get to disciple and reach nations right in your backyard, which is amazing. But I want to challenge you guys to go at least once. Get God's heart for the nations. Get his heart. Because you can talk about evangelism all you want, but if you get God's heart for the nations and the people, it will just come out of you naturally. It will flow naturally. So here's what I want to do. I want to have a stand, and I want to do some ministry time. So if we could just have everybody in the room, just stand up if you're okay with that. I want to I wait on the Lord for a little bit. So if you're comfortable with this, you can close your eyes. You don't have to. Do the vineyard thing. Just hold out your hands to receive. And let's just wait on the Lord. I know you talked about someone came up and said maybe the Lord, uh, some of you need prayer for healing. But I want to see if the Lord would just begin to impart some of his heart to you guys. And then let's just see what else he would do. So let's just, Lord, we just come before you now, God. Lord, your love compels us to go. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, come and fall in this place, Jesus. 
Lord, we ask for your heart for the nations. Lord, where fear, some of you have been spending way too much time with the news, and it just instills fear. Fear of other people groups, other peoples. Lord, come and override that and give us your heart for these people. Lord, you want a representation of every tribe and tongue in heaven. And each of their unique expressions of Christianity, Lord God. Break our hearts for the lost, Lord Jesus. Lord, that when we look at the nations, that our hearts would be moved with compassion as your heart was moved with compassion, God. that we wouldn't be callous towards the hurting and the lost, Lord. So I think maybe there's a couple different groups as we stay in this, but if there's people here who you're, you are stirred to go, whether you've gone or don't even know where to start, whether it's short-term or long-term, you have a heart for missions. If that's you, would you, do you have them come up here, Ron, or Sam, come up here? If you're comfortable with that, would you guys come up here? And there's, I think, another group, too, where you are terrified. Maybe you're one of those people that needs to turn off the news. Terrified of what's going on in the world because it's a crazy place. The world is crazy. People are nuts. But you're saying, Lord, I want your heart for the nations. If that's you, would you come down here as well? And we want to pray for you because fear is a real thing. But perfect love drives out fear. And we're going to invite Jesus to come and, and drive out your fear and give you his heart in exchange for that. And then lastly, when, um, I don't know what the guy's name who's up here, I forgot his name, I met him earlier. But he said some of you need healing. Michael. If there's something you need healing for, would you come up here as well? We want to pray for you. The Lord is still in the healing business. And then we're going to pray over the people that are up here. And then if you guys have a ministry team that you want to send up here as well, Pray for who who up here wants prayer? I want to make sure we get everybody covered. You are you for healing? Okay. 
you guys, you guys, and then all over here. So I'm just gonna pray over you and then these, we'll let the ministry team take it away. And then you wanna see if the heal is. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, that you have called these, you've called these people to go, Lord. You have given, Lord, you've given them a heart. And uh, there might be obstacles in the way right now where you're trying to figure out school, work, logistics. So Lord, I ask that you would give clear paths forward, Jesus. Lord, I know that our timing does not always line up with yours. But Lord, I pray that you would just give them wisdom as they take steps forward, God. Open doors and close doors, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord God. And those, Lord Jesus, who who are saying, I want to love people the way you do, Lord, but it is hard. It is scary. Lord, would you come and break the spirit of fear? We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.